Uh, well, so thankful you're with us here today. Uh, I know you've already been blessed by the music and the prayer. Now we're going to turn our attention to God's word to hear his voice uh, today through his word. So go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be studying verses 1 through 23. And uh, again, so good to see you. If you're new with us, you're a special guest. We're so honored that you've joined us on this Sunday. Uh, some of you haven't seen in a while, you're back. Uh, we're loving just seeing more faces uh, from moving from online worship to uh, in-person worship as you're comfortable. Uh, so, so thankful for that. Well, uh, it is Mother's Day, and I told my wife, uh, who is the wonderful, most amazing mom of the year every year for the past 12 years running, uh, mother of Parker and Kesson and Jordan and Titus, 12 to 2. That's our crew. Uh, I didn't even plan to say that, sorry. Um, and, <laughs> and um, you know, I told her I had a special gift and I was going to give it to her at a special time, a special announcement. Uh, so, uh, Marcia, this summer, uh, we are going to get away. Who knows that moms need some time away from the kids? I mean, I'm hearing some yeses and some amens from the moms, okay? So listen, dads, friends, like the best gift that we can, like, listen, kids, your mom, they love you so much. They're pouring into you all the time, okay? And just pouring out and Lucia prayed, sacrificing, okay? But we know that everybody needs a break sometimes. And so let's give, so Marcia, this summer, we're going to take a break. I don't have all the details planned out yet, but sometime this summer, all right, don't hate on me. You guys making fun of me. I, I, I feel judged. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> we're gonna go to we're gonna go to New York, New York. Because it's like it's, we we listen. We moved to Boston ten years ago. When we moved here, we were like, oh, we're four hours from New York. We'll probably go there every year and just take in the city a little bit for a few days because you can drive. You can do it in a day or two or whatever. And it's like. We still have not been to New York City. It's crazy. Um, so I'm really excited. We're going to find a way to do it. We might bring my parents back up to keep the kids. I know my dad's already volunteered. Like, oh, we'll, we'll be back, son. Don't worry about it. You know, like, more time with the grandchildren. And happy Mother's Day to my beautiful, amazing mom today, Brenda Turley. Um, but listen, we're going to go to New York City. And one of the things I hope we can do, at least it's going to be on the list of possibilities, is visit the Museum of Modern Art. The Museum of Modern Art. Now, um, not, not many of you knew that I was an art connoisseur. Um, I'm not. I'm not really. But, uh, but we went to the Philly, the Philly Museum of Art. Not just because the Rocky statues out there, you know, but because like, there was this amazing Rembrandt exhibit we thought would be amazing to see. And, uh, and so I really want to visit the Museum of Modern Art. And if Marsha wants to do something else, we'll do something else. Uh, but, 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 but why? Because one of the world's most famous paintings is housed there. Does anyone know? what it is. Van Gogh's, take a guess, Starry Night, Starry Night. I mean, one of the most amazing paintings the world has ever seen. It is 28.7 inches wide by 36.25 inches tall. Um, maybe I've got that backwards. I told you I, I, I need some more art appreciation in my life. But uh, you can just see the, the picture behind me. Yes, 36 wide, 28 tall. Now I see it in my mind. Uh, and, and just the, 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 the intricacy of the, the swirls and the brush strokes and how Van Gogh took his oil paint and put it to canvas. If you go online, you can zoom in and see the actual canvas on the edges where it's not all filled in with paint. It's really, really cool. Um, but, but can you imagine, uh, just think about this, that uh, as, as Marcia and I 
stand there. I love that picture of the first couple. You know, can we go back to that? Look at, look at them. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Isn't that sweet? I can just see Marsha and I right there. Um, you know, like, well, you know maybe, maybe we'll look a little different or whatever. But, uh, you know, and, and just taking it in, can you imagine if uh, Pastor Tanner had the audacity to, you know, whip out a little paintbrush and say, so, you know what, I really love this star, you know, you know Mr. Van Gogh uh, painted here, but, you know, I just think it could use a little neon orange touch, you know, and, or maybe a little bright purple, you know, a little bit coming off here, you know, and do a little Bob Ross voice, you know, and just touch it up a little bit. And I mean, and, and, then, and then, you know, I just, there, there's this one little area here, I just, I don't like it. I'm going to get some turpentine. And I'm going to just rub it on just this one spot, you know, and just. Now, number one, uh, you would probably need a new pastor because I would be like imprisoned, locked up, the recipient of worldwide shame, right? <laughs> but, but number two, like no one in their right mind would touch such a masterpiece. And as I described, there, there are two ways to destroy the masterpiece. One would be to add to it. The other would be to take from it. And there's a, a far greater risk that we run than being imprisoned by, by for touching Van Gogh's art, okay? That would be the, 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 the consequences uh, that, that, that we would miss out on, the abundant life now and the eternal life forever that, that we would that we would miss out on if we add to God's word or take away from God's word. If we add to the gospel of Jesus Christ or we take away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why today I want to talk to you about not two ways to live, but three ways to live. Jesus in Mark chapter 7 articulates three ways that human beings can live this life. One is by adding to God's word that are, those people are called law makers, or we can try to take away from God's law. In other words, we might not keep all of his commands, but we might set aside some, we might do away with some, okay? That's not law making, that's law breaking. But then the third way to live, of course, is Life as a Christian, life as a worshiper of Jesus. I want to talk to you about these three ways from Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. This is what Mark says. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him, these were the religious leaders of the day and the scribes, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, 
Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Here's a practical example. Verse 10. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. I promise we didn't, you know, just, just happened to be the Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say... If a man tells his father or his mother whatever would have gained from me, whatever you would, would, would have gained from me is Corbin that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. I want to stop right there. In these first 13 verses, Jesus introduces us to the life of a lawmaker, okay? Life as a lawmaker. What we have here is the religious leaders having an issue that we can certainly understand in our day, having been through the year that we've just been through, and that is the idea of sanitation. In other words, you need to wash your hands before you eat so that you are not getting germs on your food and then making yourself sick. And Jesus is apparently not practicing this the way that the religious leaders thought he should have. And so they bring this question, hey, why aren't you and your disciples washing your hands before you eat? And what's going on here? I mean, and moms, can you not identify with this, right? Like how many times do you tell your children, hey, wash your hands before you eat? And then, you know, 30 seconds later, they walk in and you ask them, did you wash their hands, your hands? And then they give you that kind of like smirk, like, why did you ask? I didn't think you were going to ask again. So now I've got to go back and like actually do it this time. So, you know, like we, we understand these dynamics, but the, the religious leaders what they were doing is they were chasing after a ritual purity, okay? This was actually not about hygiene, but it was about being ceremonially clean before God in their eyes because what they did was this. They took the prescription that God had given the priest who tended to the sacrifices in the temple and it's prescribed for the priests to wash their hands before they offer sacrifices to God. But the religious leaders, as they thought about what God said in the law, and they commented on the, the Old Testament uh, law we find in the first five books of the Bible, they said, you know what? Hey, listen, uh, that's not enough. We need to make sure that not just the priests, but like the religious leaders and everyone, everyone before you eat, you need to wash your hands so that we're re ready to, to, to be set apart to God. But not only that, it, it, it says that they would 
sometimes when they came in from the marketplace, it, it says they would not eat unless they wash. And the, the Greek word there is baptizo. It means to immerse. So that they would often either not just put their hands in a bowl and get them wet, but they would dip their whole arms, if not their whole bodies, to clean themselves. And what they were doing was they were, they were protecting themselves from the influence of other people who had, might have made them what they considered unclean. And these people, guess what, were the people who did not look like them, worship like them, or live like them, known as the Gentiles, non-Jews. And so wrapped up into all of this hand-washing, arm-washing, marketplace, I might have touched you, okay, it's a lot of judgmentalism and even, yes, racism. It wasn't so much about hygiene, it was about looking good in the sight of, of others and they, what they thought was the sight of God. And so they asked Jesus this question that certainly was loaded with accusation. Why don't you and your disciples wash your hands? And Jesus, I love Jesus, rather than just telling them straight up, like, hey, I've read the Bible quite a bit, and like all of these things are not in there, and so I'm not keeping your traditions because God didn't say to do all the things that you're doing. Jesus actually took opportunity to take it a couple of steps further. He quotes Isaiah 29, and he says to them, more than they bargained for, they thought they were going to get into a theological debate and not hear the, the truth that Jesus would bring to them where he says, look, Isaiah was talking about you 700 years ago when he said, well, did, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites that you honor God with your mouth, with your lips, and you say all these things, and you look super devoted to God, but in reality, your hearts are far from him. In vain, your, your worship, all your sacrifices, all your hand washing, all the things that you do, listen, it's vain, it's empty, because it's not done from a heart of true worship. It's not about being devoted to God. It's about looking good in the sight of others. And at this point, we're asking ourselves why we came to church today. And then to further make his point, Jesus then gives them a practical example. He says, Moses talked about in the Ten Commandments that children should honor their father and their mother. That's commandment number five of the Ten Commandments. How many, how many children do we have here today? Just raise your hand. Children, raise your hand so I can see you really. Okay, you guys are awesome. We love you kids. Okay, um, listen, children, you are to honor your parents. Honor your, your father and your mother. Now, I, gotta just, I just got to gotta ask that question. That was kind of a quick trick question. But we have a lot more children in the, in the room today. So can I just get all the children? If you are a child, can you raise your hand? Okay, now you know. Uh, now you got it. Thank you very much. You guys are so smart. Um, okay, like we're all, like just because like, when, you, when you become an adult doesn't mean that you're not a child anymore. So um, we, we continue to honor our parents all the days of our lives. And clearly, this is what Jesus believed because he's chiding the religious leaders for not being good children. And how they weren't good children, he, he points it out in verse 11. He says, but, but you say, 
contrary to, to what Moses said about honoring, about, and, and how do we honor? We, we listen, we love children, we do what our parents say. And let me just throw this out there like I threw out to my kids this morning, okay? Maybe this would, would work well in your home today, okay? All of my kids, for some reason, children often love to ask mom all the questions rather than dad or someone else in the home, okay? So, so I just told my kids that today the rule in the house is if you have a question for mom, moms are going to love me right now, um, you go and give her a massage first before you... Not ask your question, but then go ask dad or another responsible. You call grandmother, okay, like whatever you need to do. Um, just give mom some, some, some break today, all right? Moms, moms are amazing. They deserve a little break today. But, 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 but rather than honoring, these religious leaders instituted a practice known as Corbin. And, and, and Jesus helps us out here. He says, you know, that is a, a gift given to God. So Corbin was a, a gift that the, the leaders dedicated to God. And once they dedicated it to God, then no one else could touch it. So then when mom and dad had a need, maybe they needed a little help to pay the local carpenter or, you know, they needed a little help with their grocery bill or maybe you want to do something nice for mom and dad when you're, you know, 40 years old. And um, it's like, oh, that groceries, Corbin. That money's tied up. I'm sorry, mom and dad. I'm sorry. But like, you know, uh, carpenter, like Corbin. Want to do something nice? Corbin. And Jesus is saying, look, you are raising up your own traditions over God's word. You're elevating your, like, your new requirements over God's requirements. Jesus uses very clear language. He says, you leave this so you can hold to this. You reject this so you can establish this. The, the religious leaders of Jesus, they, they were really good at, at making up new commands and, and putting these burdens on the backs of people that would weigh them down rather than saying, listen, it's, it's just simply by faith walking with God out of a heart of love that honors him by keeping the commands that he's given us. No more, no less. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. They made up new laws. They said, if you really love God, if you really want to please him, you will not only wash your hands, but you'll take the cups and the pots and you'll wash them really well and the copper utensils and the dining couches. And you'll never taste alcohol and you'll never dance and you'll only wear certain clothes to church. And you'll never listen to that kind of music. And you won't follow them on Twitter. And you'll spend at least four hours a day in prayer if you really, really love God. Making up laws, making up rules as the way, as the standard to, you know, look good in the sight of others or please God, be acceptable to God. And this isn't just a first century problem. As I stated, it's a 21st century problem. We think that if we, add, if we add certain rules and regulations and requirements, that God will love us more and we'll be more acceptable to him. 
And listen, the moment that we add to the gospel of Jesus, the moment that we, that we add to the work of Christ, listen, Jesus died in our place to give us life. And there is nothing else, listen, nothing else, nothing else. I'd say it 10 times if it would make the point, but I don't think I need to. Nothing else that we need to do to be accepted by God than receive the gift of life that he offers us by faith and then respond through faith every day in joyful obedience. Not to earn God's acceptance, but because we have been accepted by God. That's the gospel. So one way to live is life as a lawmaker. It's, it's adding to God's requirements. But then number two, a second way to live, a second wrong way to live is not law-making, it's law-breaking. This is what we see if we can go back to verses 14 through 23 where Mark picks up in verse 14, he says this. And he called the people to him again and said to them, hear me all of you and understand There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Now, Jesus is explaining the parable. Let's pause. In verse 15, he says, it's not about what, what, what goes into the body that makes you unclean. It's about what comes out of you that reveals the uncleanness of your heart. And now Jesus says it in verse 18, he explains it. He says, do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since, here's some, some biology for you, it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, don't miss this. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. I know some of you were like, yeah, Pastor Tanner, talk about not adding to God's law. We're not gonna be legalists, okay? Because God is so abundant in grace, he's gonna keep giving us more grace and more grace and more grace and then all of a sudden we just start presuming upon God's grace and we think, you know what? I can just kind of, you know, stretch the truth this once. I can just, yeah, watch that TV show that there's no nothing in the Bible that says I can't watch it, but, but I know that that is going to tempt me to sin or tempt me to think in ways that I shouldn't think. And so we, 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 we rather than it's like, yeah, no more laws, but we forget that there are God's laws that he wants us to keep. So again, it's not just lawmaking, but it's law-breaking that that Jesus says is not the way to live. He, he, he does this by telling this parable and then explaining it, saying that, that ultimately what matters is what comes out of our hearts, not what goes into us from the outside. 
He says the heart is the place where we mass produce good or evil. The root of our heart produces the fruit of our life. What people see, what you say, how you act, it's all a result of the condition of your heart. Jesus in verse 21, you might want to highlight or underline verse 21. He says, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. And, and one, one scholar says, you could, you could, uh, this verse could read, for from within, from the human heart come evil thoughts, listen, resulting in sexual immorality in the list of 12 uh, vices that Jesus provides for us, which is not, by the way, an exhaustive list, but it is a selective list that he offers for our consideration to say that these things are coming out of your heart and they are not according to God's good plan for you. They are not what is best for you. They are not going to ultimately bring you life. And so what are those things? He says, first, sexual immorality is the Greek word porneia. The word refers to any and all sexual sin, premarital, extramarital, unnatural. This includes, yes, from the word pornography, rampant in our culture. And every time I say that, I just I feel the need to say, listen, we are not here to judge anyone. We are here to help everyone. We are all broken people. There is no one in the place today that is not guilty of, of, of the, the sins in this list, including myself. We all need God's grace. We all need God's love. We all need God's power to reform our hearts, to make us more and more like Jesus Christ as we follow him. So we get sexual immorality out of our hearts and our thought life. We get theft out stealing. I mean, just two weeks ago, uh, our neighbors sending us videos from their ring, you know, doorbell of a supposed delivery guy carrying off scooters of kids. I mean, like, are you serious? But then we know how prevalent scammers are. How many times have you gotten a call? Hey, you know, the, I'm the IRS and, you know, I need you to wire me, you know, all the money in your bank. Like, and, and, and there's like, there's, there's a measure of belief. Like you, anytime you like, the government's calling me, whoa, like, wh they don't do that, by the way. But sometimes we don't know that. We don't. Theft. Murder. The unlawful premeditated killing of another per person. Adultery violating the marriage covenant through engaging in sexual behavior, either physically or mentally, with someone that is not your spouse. Coveting is referring to desire that threatens the well-being and the rights of someone else. Wickedness is a general term for any type of, of evil that we might practice. Deceit refers to deception and dishonesty. Sensuality is unchecked, same, shameless living that completely lacks moral discernment or restraint. Maybe we need to check our envy today. Envy looks around. Envy is always comparing, right? Anyone ever struggle with comparison? Yeah, we all do. 
is jealousy rooted in unbelief. Envy, listen, believes that God is withholding something good from us so we have to have what other people have. Slander is defaming speech about other people. Listen, if you wouldn't say it to their face, don't say it. And, if, and, really, and really and truly, if you need to say something to someone's face, say it to their face. Don't go be talking to other, everyone else about it. That's slander. Pride is in elevating ourselves above others in arrogance. And then foolishness is a, a senseless disregard for God's truth. You see what Jesus is saying here once again is he's saying it's, it's not only dead wrong to take the paintbrush to God's laws and add a few extra ones in there, but it's also dead wrong to take the turpentine and rub it on God's masterpiece. We take nothing away, but we uphold everything that God has said so that we can live lives that reflect Jesus. God's been teaching me once again the, 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 the necessity and, and, and just the value of, of looking for idols in my heart and pulling them down, tearing them down. Go read the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and 7. Before Gideon led the people of Israel into uh, a battle and, and, and to win the victory, God first said, you need to tear down the idols outside of your home. We need to, to undo some things before we do some things sometimes. And you say, Pastor Tanner, how do we do that? A good place to start is right here, confession. Confession, listen, 1 John 1, 9, might wanna write it down, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we, you and I, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is amazing news. He forgives us. In other words, he doesn't hold our sins against him. Uh, he, he, he wipes the guilt away from our conscience and hearts. But listen, he also, I love this, wipes away our shame. The feeling of shame, listen, guilt says what you did was wrong. Shame says who you are is wrong. Shame leaves us feeling dirty. It leaves us feeling uh, unacceptable. When, we, when we're ashamed of ourselves, listen, and we all have things that we're ashamed of, right? If, if, if we were to, to play everyone's thought life, you know, and, and just share it with everyone, like share some of the, the actions that you've, you've done that you don't want anyone else to know. Like if we were to broadcast that here this morning, you would probably literally walk out of the room right now. And so would I. Because we have things in our life that, that just like Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, what do they do? They ran and they hid. God, I don't want you to see me because I, I broke, I didn't listen to you. I listened to the serpent and I chose my own wisdom and, and now I am ashamed of myself and I have to hide from your presence. But how many of you know this? Jesus Christ on the cross, not only died for your sin, he died for your shame. 
Jesus Christ hung on a Roman cross absolutely naked. Humiliated and shamed. Physically shamed in front of everyone, but also spiritually shamed because our sin has consequences leading to guilt, shame, judgment, and wrath. And yet Jesus took the shame on himself so that the shame might come off of us. Amen. You can get excited about that today. Let me preach a little bit. I heard this from Pastor Real Amy Vasquez, his Instagram handle. And, and this is what he said. Are you ready? This is what Jesus shouts to us from the cross. Shame off you. Shame off you. How many times have we heard, have we said, shame on you? Shame on him. Shame on her. It's, it's like, it's literally saying you should be ashamed for what you've done. And there's no doubt, sometimes we, we, we should be ashamed. But listen, the shame is not ours to put on other people, by the way. But, but Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, is saying, shame off you. He's offering us forgiveness. He's offering us freedom and release from our shame. We don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to be ashamed. We're accepted. We're loved. We're welcomed in. And we need to start speaking like he's speaking. We need to start telling the people, listen, God loves you. You've confessed that. He's forgiven you. And so listen, shame off you. I mean, that's what, I, that's what I'm doing these days. All right? I know you might think like, this is silly, Pastor Tanner, whatever. I'm not going to follow your example. I don't really care. That's cool. All right. But I'm just now, and when, I'm, when I'm praying or when I have a thought that, that, that I should feel shame, listen, I'm going to confess it, and then I'm going to receive forgiveness, and I'm going to say, shame off me. Because, listen, shame, what does shame do? It holds you down. It makes you run and hide. It causes you to not engage in the mission of God. It calls you to not show up and bring your best. Listen, as a father, as especially mom, Marcia's been talking to me the past couple of years about this thing known as mom guilt, mom shame. You look at social media and all the highlight reels are on there, you know, these perfect moms and they, you know, do all this with their kids and, you know, they work 55 hours and, you know, then they, you know, still do all the homework and it's just, you know, these amazing, give it up for our single moms, please, here today. I'm just thinking about how amazing you are, single moms, because you are amazing, along with all of our other moms, but listen, you know how it is. Because not only are we sometimes ashamed of the things that we do, but we're feeling shame about the things that we want to do, but we don't do. It's like, I could be a better mom. I could just only have a few more hours and pour into my kids a little bit more. Jesus is saying, shame off you. Shame off you. Thank you, God, for the cross of Jesus Christ. Life as a lawmaker. Life as a lawbreaker. Let's be done with both of them. Let's live life as a Christian. What is life as a Christian? Let's go back to verses six and seven. I'm gonna wrap this up quick. Life as a Christian is not simply honoring God with our lips, but honoring him with our lives. Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So what that implies is that God wants our hearts. He wants our hearts to be close to him. He wants us to, yes, sing songs and pray prayers, but, but he wants us to, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, to actually be keeping the commands that we've heard about that, that he has given us. 
It's about true worship. Not elevating other requirements that God doesn't, but, but keeping the requirements that he does. He's calling us into authentic devotion. Because the gospel transforms us from the inside out. And so listen, I'm, I'm glad we pray and we had a great fire nights on Friday night. But listen, we should ask, why do we pray? I'm glad we sing these songs with our great music team. Me, so great having you up here today on the keys, all right? But it's like, you know, why do we sing? I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, 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 that we, you know, have groups to connect with, but why do we connect? God is after our hearts. He's after our desires that come from our heart. He's after our uh, uh, loves and affections and emotions and our thought life. He, he's after all of us. That's what Jesus is saying. And so I just, you know, I've been talking to Marsha the past week and, and I just, I, I'm increasingly coming to this place, hopefully more reflective of the heart of, of Christ. Where as a pastor, as one of the leaders of this great church, what, what I long for is not, listen, it's not like as you walk out of here today, all right, Pastor Tanner, that sermon was fire. Pastor Tanner, what a good word. Pastor Tanner, you know, fist bump and then the wink or elbow now. Whatever. You know, it's like, listen, I'm a human being. That encourages me. I appreciate it. But if I'm keeping it real, what I, what I planned it, and a lot of times when you ask me that, I'll be like, oh, for real? Like, what stood out to you? Like, so just be ready when you say that. <laughs> but now, now this is like, this may become my new mantra, okay? It's like, thank you because I really appreciate. Text me on Thursday. Thank you, text me Thursday. T text me on Tuesday. T look, can we talk about it next Sunday? Because I want to know if, our, if God is changing our hearts. If God has all of us. He wants all of us. He wants our thoughts. He wants our desires. He wants our loves. He, yes, he wants our actions, but our actions are flowing out of who we are on the inside. That's why we say, God, keep changing us. Keep working with us to make us more like you. The point of this message is so, so simple. So simple. Jesus wants worship from the heart. Jesus wants worship from the heart. What does Jesus want for you? What does Jesus want from you? Jesus wants your worship from the heart. Not law-making, adding to, not law-breaking, taking from, but living life as a Christian, as a true worshiper. And so what I want to do to conclude our time is this. I'm going to ask Pedro to come out and, and to, to, to just begin to play. And, and I want to give you some space just to consider, moms, to consider whatever your, your, your experiences in life, whatever, whatever your journey looks like right now, just to, to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes and just to consider, am I bringing God external action and saying all the right things, even on Sundays, but my heart is not close. Because God, we know, wants worship from our heart. And so listen, as, as Pedro begins to, to play, and 
as we begin to pray, listen, I just want to encourage you. We talked about confession. If anyone uh, confesses his sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us. So maybe there are just some things that just between you and God, you need to release today. You need to acknowledge, God, this is not right. I've been adding to your requirements. I've been ignoring the requirements that you've given, the, the good commands that you have set before me. God, forgive me for my lust. God, forgive me for my pride. God, forgive me for my envy. Oh God, thank you for taking away the guilt. Thank you for taking away my shame. Just spend a couple of minutes praying before I lead us in prayer and then we sing as we respond to God here this morning. Father, we're so amazed that you accept us just as we are through the gift of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But you don't leave us where we are, God. You keep working with us and you keep, you keep changing us. And, and so, God, thank you for the release today, God. Thank you for the confession, the things that we were carrying in our hearts that we just needed to share with you and agree with you that these things are not okay. They're not satisfying us. They're not bringing us life. And we say, God, forgive us. We're sorry. God, forgive us for, for, for just looking good on the outside but being a spiritual wreck on the inside. Thank you for your patience, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for removing our guilt and thank you for removing our shame. So Father, now even as we sing, even as we respond, we want it to be true worship. And tomorrow and Tuesday and Thursday, and God, we want it to be true worship. Because you are worthy, God. You alone are worthy. You have given us life. So, Father, we raise our voices to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.